Hello and welcome back for episode five of the Notice Podcast. I'm Manoop, um, and Ayush is unable to join us today, but uh, we have my boy Thomas Scannell on as a guest. Uh, Tom's my friend from England who I went to school with, um, and I've kept re- regular contact with um, recently. So thanks for joining us, Tom. You've been all right? Yeah. Yeah, good. Thanks. My pleasure. No worries, bro. Um, first off, let's just start off. Um, so this week, as you may know, like it's Mental Health Awareness Week. So let's just um, start off with talking about mental health and... Uh, I just want to ask you a bit about your personal experiences and just need like your general thoughts on it. Yeah, so my mental health is a bit um, it's a bit complex, but I've basically always had an overactive brain. Mm-hmm. So um, that's led to a lot of anxiety issues and things like that. So yeah, like particularly with the COVID and things like that, like being in lockdown, yeah, it's been quite difficult. Like um, recently I've had problems with germophobia which has led to me washing my hands a lot more than usual. So my hands are actually quite red and sort of cracked in the back. Yeah, I think everyone's like dealing with a bit with the lockdown and stuff. Um, yeah. But I think uh, you guys are coming out of lockdown slowly, right? In England? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so we're um, opening up the pubs and the beer gardens and stuff like that. And people are going out and behaving like it's the first drink they've ever had. <laughs> like yeah. And... I saw like people would post like, them getting dressed to go to the pub and then they'd post in the car like on the way to the pub and then once yeah. they get there they post their drinks and then post another one after it's like all right guys we get it um yeah. but yeah here here we're still in lockdown um we got a stay-at-home order for like another week which seems like it's gonna be extended for a couple more um but hopefully the summer should be like kind of normal i guess there's no back to normal at this point mm-hmm. normal has changed but um yeah um yeah just uh like a bit on my mental health a bit. Um, so I think the the moments where I like struggle the most were um, first probably going to Repton um, because it was like such a big change for me uh, just to start off because uh, I felt a bit homesickness, but um, that was just like maybe a couple weeks or a month. So that wasn't too severe. But then um, me, com- me leaving uh, Repton and coming back home, um, as I like, I think I've said on a pod on the podcast before. Like, um, I had some visa issues, um, which led to me not being able to play the cricket I wanted to in England. So I think me coming back here and like for like months, I didn't, I just didn't feel like doing much. Um, I was just struggling, like, because since I was five years old, it was always my dream to play cricket at the highest level. And when I was in England, everything was kind of like going to plan. Like uh, when we started off, our expectations were like. We're like, all right, you're just going to play and then see what happens. Like, we didn't set too high expectations because then when you set your expectations too high and you don't reach them, the downfall is even worse. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. we were just going slowly and everything was going to plan. Everything was going to plan. And then all of a sudden, it's like, no, nothing. Everything shut off. So, like, all the, like, four years of hard work, whatever, it was just gone. So I had to obviously come back and couldn't play there anymore. So that was probably, like, the toughest time for me from, like, March last year to, like, maybe August um but then obviously like just talking to my friends and things like um just the relationship we have and um they just kind of got me back into the flow of things and find myself again and how we talk about repton a bit um how do you think that was on your mental health personally like just boarding school and um i was at an all boys boarding school from when i was Uh, eight yeah so and that wasn't that wasn't great fun either. It was 120 <laughs> people in the school. Yeah. So like 20 people in a year. Um, yeah. So I was like struggling towards the end of that, and I was thinking, 
right, I'm going to get out of this place and it's going to be different at Repton. And I got to Repton mm-hmm. and it just, yeah, it, it just really wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, Repton was a bit of a, it was a bit of a weird place because um, I couldn't relate to some of the people there. Yeah. Like you remember um, Tom Berry, whose dad came and picked him up in the McLaren F1. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shit like that. Exactly. Yeah, it's just, um, and then people who used to, for a game, they used to throw their phones off the top of the cricket pavilion and catch them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah no, I didn't. Um, I think I've been having, uh, I repped in the problem start where I couldn't get out of bed in the mornings. Mm-hmm. So um, what would happen is I couldn't wake up on time um, and then I'd get punished for that. So I'd have to wake up earlier. So I'd then I'd basically <laughs> have, so it was basically just um, a feedback loop of having to, of not waking up on time and then getting punished for it again. Yeah. So yeah, early morning calls where you had to um, be down the stairs and fully dressed at 7.30 in the morning, mm-hmm. which, yeah, I also had CCF early morning call once, which was yeah. sort of, um get dressed in your army uniform and then fucking bomb it down to the <laughs> um, CCF shed. Yeah. But yeah, so I sort of, I ended up leaving Repton um, uh, after the start of my second year there. Yeah. And I just went to a regular state school. But yeah, no, Repton, um, having talked to a couple of people who went there, sort of, it wasn't really a great place to be. It was sort of a bit of a, a bit of a strange environment. Yeah. But yeah, no, I do have actually some very fond memories of shithousery in Leyden <laughs> and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess I think we caught the last year of our upper six in our first year. Yeah. They were amazing. like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, they were amazing, but they're also cunts to us, which is <laughs> sort of why it's sort of, it's sort of like that classic boarding school bullying thing, which then um, when we went up a year, um, and they left sort of our lower six. I don't think it was ever really the same again after they left. Yeah. yeah. And I, I remember some really fun times being bullied. <laughs> so, <actually, laughs> sort of, yeah. um, of course, we've got a, should we touch on house rules? Yeah, I, I can, I can do that if you want. Um, right. Yeah. Sure. So basically uh, <laughs> house rules is, so we used to have a ping pong table and a pool table. Um, but as the juniors, juniors were a grade uh, for canadians here listening like grade nines to 11 um and um the seniors were uh, grades 12 and 13 england they have grade 13 so we used to have two common rooms so the juniors would be in one and then the seniors would be in one like anytime you're free you can go watch tv just hang out play some video games so the grade 12 and 13 had the pool table so we didn't really get too much access to that as the younger years but um we used to play ping pong a lot so the rules in ping pong were we'd either play to 11 or 21 and if you had lost either 11 nil, 21 nil, or I believe 21 one, you had to do house rules. And house rules was like, you know, boarding school traditions. Um, you'd have to uh, basically like be in your shorts and, uh, or your undies and run down the hallway as people would stand on the side and they'd smack your back as you'd run. So um, I, think, I think Tom had to do that I think once yeah. or twice. Yeah, and added as well, fully naked. Like yeah. stark bottom naked, oh balls in your hands, fucking running down the hallway. And yeah, I did that. Um, I think I got that the first time I was there. And Maxim, he fucking whacked me with the back of his slipper and it was size medium. Yeah. And there were M's all over fucking imprinted on my back yeah. afterwards. But yeah. So um, 
I think Mr. Merlin wasn't too fond of that. Mm-hmm. So I think we it was all very covert and sort of no phones allowed. And if you were caught if you caught with your phone out, you had to do house rules yourself. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no phone like that. that type of stuff. Yeah, people yeah, listening yeah. to this probably think we're a bit crazy doing that type of stuff. Yeah. But but what this is not a podcast. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But if you um if you if you're like in that environment and then you've got like people like twice the size of you to kind of telling you to do it, you kind of feel obligated to do it. And then if you like the only yeah. other way you get out of it is I think you it was by paying or like or you could go and snitch and like nobody yeah. wants to do that, you know, like cuz that's even <laughs> worse. Your time there would just be worse. Um I yeah, mean, like, I don't think I don't think anyone got 21-1, but I think the rule was that the rule for that was that you had to run around and touch every fire escape in the house. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Again, yeah, yeah stark bolt naked again, so. Yeah. Yeah. Just some boarding school traditions, you know, but um <laughs> Before before Tom had left, um, funny story like in in our second year, me and um, me and Indy would always uh, instigate fights between Tom and another guy named Will Will Abbott. Um, and uh, actually, I think, I think it was the first year, but um, yeah, we'd always like instigate them, and they'd start fighting. So Tom would like kind of be uh, he was kind of the bigger guy, and he would like physically like impose himself, kind of thing. Um, and then in the second year, just before he had left, um, we had this guy called uh, Joe Presley King, good friend of ours, <laughs> um, uh, funny little guy. But um, he he basically had taken him into the shower and then in his clothes, yeah, and turned him the shower and soaked him. So and the then, story behind that was yeah, yeah. he was he was sleeping, and Presley was a me- messy motherfucker. He refused yeah. to clean up his room, and you were in a room with him, and you being yeah. as neat and organized and. <laughs> um yeah pristine yeah. as you are weren't too thrilled with that so what you and he had his books and things just thrown all over his bed mm-hmm. and i think you did something where you threw you threw them on the floor or no they might have been on the floor and just around the place and you put them on his bed so that he couldn't go to sleep until he cleaned them up yeah and he had a he had a sleeping bag from ccf so he took that out from under his bed and slept in the sleeping bag on the floor i'd clean off his room so i think it's important to say I've been diagnosed with ADHD since. So I do stupid stuff without really thinking about it sometimes. So what I did is I grabbed the top of the sleeping bag with him still in it. And I'm not very proud of this, but it is quite funny. And what I did is I pulled it over his head and dragged him into the shower and um, turned it on. Yeah, <laughs> so that's what happened. And I was and actually worried. Yeah. Ahead, I, was, I was worried that he might have suffocated <laughs> because he wasn't moving. He just didn't, he didn't do anything to stop me. He just sort of accepted it. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. No, yeah got, a bunch uh, of us were gathered in the washroom and like, <laughs> like laughing and stuff. And I think um, we had a resident tutor, Mr. DeRosa, who used to live his, uh, he had a little flat on the same floor as us. Um, and I think he'd heard the noise and come out. And at that time we'd gone back to the room. And once Tom heard Mr. DeRosa was coming, he like, put i think did he put him in a suitcase no, I, can't <laughs> <Is that> <laughs> I think i think i just know you put him under the so under the bed we yeah. had like these slidey um slidey doors um and i think he put either put him in the suitcase or just like kind of shoved him under the bed so yeah. mr Strozo wouldn't see him something like that and he got in trouble for that and i think that was how that was his, like yeah. last thing before he left kind of thing yeah yeah, and I think when I talked to you after um, you left Repton, like when mm-hmm. when you were at Repton, you seemed like you were like a bit angry, probably because of um, 
the type of like lifestyle it was, whatever. But um, and stuff like getting punished for um, waking up a bit late, like thirty seconds late, literally. But and then trying to have to get up like for seven thirty each morning. Um, so I think maybe that built up a bit of anger inside. But um, I think like after you left, uh, when I talked to you, you seem a lot more calmer. Um, like when you were wrapped in. Yeah, so um, I think I'm someone who really needs space and time to sort of decompress. And um, particularly when you're at Repton, sort of, it's the same at any boarding school. There's always something going on all the time. So um, there was never really any space to be able to have time to yourself. Mm-hmm. And sort of, so now I've got sort of, I can go up to my room and I can just chill out and sort of, I can just not leave my room for weeks and no one will bother me. So I can sort of, I've got that time sort of, if I need to decompress, I can. But um, yeah, I think it would, it would still happen now. And I don't think I've really, um, I've always had, I've had problems fitting into a routine since Repton. So I think I particularly wasn't a very good fit for Repton. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, but um, I don't think it's that I've chilled out. I think it's that I've gotten better at managing myself. For sure. Really? Yeah. yeah so, yeah. um, yeah. I think that's a, like, I think, um, as you, as you get older at Repton, like just, I think sixth form, you get a bit more freedom, but for anyone who hasn't been at boarding school, it's like very restricted. So like just a quick summary type thing. So like when we first got there for the first three weeks, um, we had to, we only had our phones for an hour a day. Um, and for someone like me who like was a bit homesick, um, and need to call his parents a lot and just like talk to family. That was quite hard. So they wanted the first three weeks, you give your phones in cause they want you to just interact with people and get a bit more comfortable. And then after that, every, um, every night they take your phone. Um, I think it was at seven o'clock. Um, yeah, so. and, and we used to have like, so we'd have a day of school, we'd have sports, we'd come back, have dinner, and then we'd have two hours. We had to do homework. So it was like very like, schedule based um everything at a specific time if you're 10 seconds late for this um you basically are punished type thing so it was like very restrictive in that sense um and we couldn't really go out like there weren't many like restaurants nearby and even the ones that were there we weren't allowed to go as as younger um younger years so it was pretty restrictive in that sense um yeah but i think as you get older like the freedoms get a bit um a bit uh loosen i guess you have more freedoms like the restrictions are a bit less but yeah for the first couple of years it's super hard to just like enjoy yourself um yeah but yeah that's uh and how you say like you've gotten better at just managing your um your emotions and stuff i think um for me like i think like these last i'd say like last three four months i've probably been the happiest i've ever been not because like something's amazing going on in my life or anything but it's just because like I'm I'm in I'm in tune with everything going on in my head and I'm able to control it. Like anytime I feel angry, um, I kind of just take a breath and just calm down a bit. I'm like, there's like no need to be angry, and you know, you put things in perspective a bit. Um, and uh, yeah. yeah, just like just being in tune with your emotions. Like I always say, like I've talked about meditation before. I think that helps a lot um, with your breath work and things. But um, yeah, like for me, like I've been pretty happy recently, but I think, I don't think it's like, yeah, like, like I said, it's not nothing like amazing going on. It's just 
I'm able to control myself and control my surroundings to how I like it kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And we, I think you were, uh, wanted to mention something about um, like how we don't, um, we don't all see everything the same way. Yeah. So there was an interesting piece um, I watched about this thing called aphantasia, which is where it's, um, I don't think it's classified as a disorder, but it's, um, it's a difference where some people can't visualize things like they'll close their eyes and they literally, if you told them to visualize something, they couldn't do it. And the way they described it in this little piece was it's like having a computer running and everything's fine and all the hardware is working fine, but the current, but the monitor isn't turned on. Yeah. So they just can't, they, they sort of have memories and they can function completely normally, but they just don't have this um, ability to visualize things. Yeah. And it's, um, it was just this thing of, we can take for granted that everyone sees the world the same way as us. Even in yeah. like basic things, like everyone would be able to visualize something. If you told someone to imagine something, they would be able to. But that's not the case for everyone. And um, it's just to remember in terms of mental health stuff that everyone sees the world differently in their head and everyone will react differently to certain things. And not everyone fits right in certain situations. Like I was a horrible fit for boarding school and routines and things like yeah, that. Yeah. I was a horrible fit for that. And I think that's just who I am. And um, yeah. I've just got to find what works for me. For, yeah, so, exactly. yeah. Yeah, like I said with me, how I can, I, I, I like control my surroundings to work for me. I think like that's best for everyone. Like I, I know um, like just a bit on meditation again, how I, I asked you if um, you had tried it and it, it doesn't work for you. So um, no. yeah, like it's, it's like different things. You could just kind of have to find what works for you and just like, try different methods i guess um and see what works to you and kind of stick to it and see what makes you tick i guess yeah, yeah. so in in terms of meditation i can't sit down and just sort of um focus for five minutes but i try to be mindful throughout the day instead so i try to yeah. look at things and i try to think about things um it might be rather than sort of if i'm making a tea or something rather than putting the kettle on and taking my phone out and looking at instagram it's just sort of just standing in the kitchen, just sort of pacing about and sort of thinking about stuff for a couple of minutes whilst the kettle's boiling or not taking my phone to the toilet whilst I'm having a shit or stuff <laughs> like that. Just sort yeah, of yeah. giving my, yeah, just giving my mind time to uh, think things through. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just like being alone is good for that. Like I, I like, mm-hmm. I, I honestly couldn't tell you if I'm, if I'm introverted or extroverted because I've honestly got, got no idea. Like if, mm-hmm. like around this, around specific people i'm like very outgoing but um at times like i also like to be left alone just kind of figure stuff out on my own you know um and um bro after you after you left um i know you um started doing uh jujitsu as well for anyone who doesn't know jujitsu is a martial art um like a grappling based martial art so um uh what impact has that had on you and like what are your thoughts on martial arts as well yeah, it's had a massive impact. It's it's helped me feel more at home in my body mm-hmm. as well as what's happened. It's sort of there's this term proprioception. So it's yeah. um if you yeah, if you closed your eyes, you'd be able to know where your fingers were or things like that, or where your hands were or where your feet were. It's sort of knowing knowing where your body is and sort of feeling settled in it. And because jujitsu you're sort of rolling about and you can't see things a lot of the time, it helps with, you know, that sort of 
um, control of your body. Yeah. And yeah, actually, my journey with martial arts started during my last time at Repton when we'd get into fights <laughs> and we'd get into grappling matches. And I think, I can't remember, um, I think they were pretty, they were pretty even, I think, but that's because none of us knew submissions, so we couldn't finish anything. So I think you might have been more dominant in terms of the wrestling, but I think, um, yeah. But yeah, so I, I remember getting into fights like that and I started going to a boxing gym at that time as well. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I left Repton and I thought, right, I'm going to get into this properly. And I started going to the boxing gym and um, it was just incredibly boring. Like they had, <laughs> they, they got the beginners. It was seven quid for a session. And all I'd end up doing is just pacing up and down the hall, practicing footwork, which is basically, which is literally front foot, back foot, front foot, back foot, front foot, jab, back foot, and things yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. And then I got into the ring for my first session of sparring. And I didn't realize, I thought, oh, we're going to fight because no one explained it to me beforehand. Yeah. So I thought we're going to fight. And um, so I went and tried to take the guy's head off. <laughs> and I got, I think there was one guy, he was an amateur boxer and he, um, he slipped and then caught me with the left right into the bottom of the solar plexus and I was winded. Yeah. Then another guy who just stiff jabbed me right in the nose and um yeah, that was <laughs> bleeding, bleeding for a bit. So I, I thought boxing isn't for me. So I stopped, <laughs> stopped going for a bit. And then I think it was later that year, um, I was, or it might have been uh, the next year. But in any case, I started watching Joe Rogan. Yeah. And um, he used to extol the virtues, virtues of jiu-jitsu mm -hmm. and talk about how good it was. And I looked up and there was a jiu-jitsu place, Carlson Gracie's in Farnborough. So I started going there and that was, that was really good. And, um, that was, I think it's coming off in two years since I first walk in, walked into that gym, which it doesn't feel that long at all, especially with COVID because yeah. Yeah. I've had to take months off training, but yeah, yeah. So, um, walked in there and started training and then, um, moved away from the area and started an MMA gym, which I'm still at now, which is, uh, fantastic and mm -hmm. uh, love going there. Yeah. But yeah. So I'm starting to feel quite, I'm starting to feel um, sort of like I know a bit what I'm doing with jujitsu. It's yeah. weird because um, I'm at sort of, I'm at the point now where you can start to see like little, um, so you can see, um, yeah, but also like when you see white belt sparring mm -hmm. um, or like people have just started sparring, you can see, I'm starting to see where they're making mistakes and where they're leaving space yeah, where I couldn't yeah. before. Yeah. And I'm just thinking the black belts, what do they look at and see me when I'm yeah, exactly. and things like that. And yeah. it's sort of, yeah. So it's just really, really fun and really intriguing and yeah, really yeah. love doing it. Yeah. So the jujitsu belt system, uh, it's, uh, white, blue, purple, brown, and black, right? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And, so, uh, yeah, I've got a bit of um, jiu-jitsu experience myself. Like, I started, I just started an MMA gym uh, this past August. Um, like I said, like, um, with coming back from England and not having cricket and stuff, I kind of just took the cricket year off. I just didn't feel like playing. So, because just mentally I wasn't there. So, I kind of looked for, like, an escape route, and uh, MMA was there. It's like I'm really into the UFC and things. So, I thought, you know, I'll try it out. So, 
had a Muay Thai class to start off. Um, just basic stuff, like you said, you know, like footwork, a bit of slips, jabs and crosses to start off. Um, and jujitsu. Um, so in the summer we, like we didn't, I haven't actually rolled. Um, um, but I, uh, at that time we just had like, in, we had to do individual sessions, um, because of COVID restrictions, of course. But, um, so we would just learn techniques, um, and do arm bars on with the, you know, the pool noodles and, yeah. and heavy bags. Um, and we got a bit into partner training, uh, but we weren't able to like fully roll and stuff, um, due to COVID. But yes, jujitsu is like just when you, when you, when you like feel like, like if you got, if you're going against someone better than you and you feel like, oh, like he's better than me, you might have already quit, um, at the, before you start. And then the way it's just like, if someone's going to submit you, you can either tap or you could go out. You know what I mean? Like you, like you got to control like your ego type of thing. Like you could just like, you know, tap and show, I think tapping shows a, a bit more character to be honest, but because like you're yeah. able to just admit your mistake and then, okay, let's go again. Right. Um, and just like trying to fight through like when, especially when you go against better guys, higher ranked uh, belts, like just trying to fight through, trying to find ways, trying to learn, trying to use it as learning rather than, oh, I lost, like, I'm not going to do this again type of thing, you know? So uh, it's really good on that. And and it kind of, like, humbles you a bit too because uh, as a white belt, you can't just go and start talking to shit to a black belt because he just he'll whoop your ass and submit you. He'll put you out, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, and it's just, like, it's it's super fun too, like, the just the, just the type of vibe in the gym. Um, everyone's really friendly. Um and they just like they honestly just want you to improve as well. It's not like oh you're going into a fighting gym, everyone's super angry and tough and ah grr. You know what I mean? It's not like that. Like everyone's super mm-hmm. nice and they just want you to learn and improve off them. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of and that feeling of going against someone who's higher rated or higher higher ranked and um just not not feeling like you've got a clue what you're doing. Yeah. And it's really confusing, like really overwhelming, and you just mm-hmm. got. You, you just have no idea what you're doing, particularly the first couple of times you go there. Yeah, it's really satisfying now that I'm able to sort of, I'm able to hold my own against mm-hmm. some, I mean, these these purple belts are like 40 years old and I sort of, I'm proud that I can go around without getting submitted. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so it's, it's sort of, yeah, it's sort of, I'm beginning to be able to sort of hold my own and be a bit competitive with them, mm-hmm. which is, um, yeah, I'm not good by any stretch. I'm still a white belt, so yeah. I'm not good by any stretch of the imagination, but um i'm still yeah still just really loving it yeah yeah and it's it's good to just um just as a practice to stay calm kind of thing like when you're if you're getting like destroyed by someone just mm-hmm. the ability to just stay calm and not give up type of thing you know like just being like okay like if i get out of this position like i just need a little opening and once i've got it i can get on top or i can reverse position or i can find a submission somewhere off my back you know so just staying calm and not like not throwing like a tantrum in the middle of yeah. middle of your role, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a perfect uh, transition to the UFC 262 card coming up this weekend. Uh, we got the return of Tony Akakui Ferguson and the lightweight title. So mm-hmm. um, let's just start off with uh, Tony versus Benil Dariush. Um, who do you got and why? Well, these these two fights, um, both of them are lightweight. The two main. Um, yeah. You mean so Oliveira and Chandler for the title, and then Ferguson versus Darius. Ferguson coming off a loss to Oliveira, 
and Dariush, I think he's he's on um, quite quite a bit of a win streak. But the interesting thing about fights. both of these, yeah, yeah, and the interesting thing about both of these fights is that I can't really pick a winner for. There's like not there's not really a clear winner for either of them. Uh-huh. It's like Ferguson, if he does some fucking weird <laughs> Tony Ferguson shit, Tony Ferguson stuff, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you like, you might, um, if Darius shoots him and he gets a front headlock and darces him, mm-hmm. um, Darius might also just pick Ferguson apart. So it's, mm-hmm. it's yeah, um, Ferguson's four years older, but he's also got a four and a half reach, four and a half inch reach advantage. Yeah. So um, with his creativity and things like that, he could make that really work to his favor. Mm-hmm. So um, for Ferguson versus Darius, I'm picking Ferguson by second round in Minari role. <laughs> um, yeah all right so um yeah for me it's a, it's also a 50 50 fight um but obviously uh i'm a, I'm a fan of tony so i'd like him to get it like pull it off but um yeah t- so just comparing the two tony's very high volume um and he's got crazy cardio and he's just a crazy motherfucker in general you know but um this fight's just three rounds so i think tony can keep up a certain pace um the whole time Similar to, yeah, so you can just keep up the pace the whole time and go third, fourth gear all the way through. Like, he doesn't have to, he's not one who needs to slow down and take a round off. He could just go fully through. Um, and I think Darius is a bit crazy as well, like, in his approach, but he's able to channel his craziness and, like, apply it when needed. Whereas Tony just outright crazy at all times, throwing spinach shit, um, throwing up in Imanari rolls, like you said. Um, and I think Darius has obviously got the power advantage, um, and he's relentless on his takedowns. I think like in his last fight against, uh, Diego Ferreira, he had five of 15 takedowns. So he shot 15 times in three rounds. So I think if that's his game plan, he kind of sticks to his game plan and doesn't shy away from it. So if he feels like, okay, I'm going to get Tony down and control him on the ground, um, he will. And he's also underrated grappler. I feel like he's, he's got good top pressure. He's re- wrestler's base, you know, they're strong. Um, and I think he, he could he could find a submission, but I, I don't see him submitting Tony. Um, I kind of see this like just being a, a three-round war um, going to the judges, to be honest. Um, hopefully, Tony can pull it off. But um, And I think Tony's last two fights, he's he's lost after coming off a 12-fight win streak. He lost to Justin Gaethje last May for the interim bout. Um, he got stopped in the fifth round, but Tony's so tough that he didn't even go down. It was counted as a TKO, but he'd never even gone down. Like, it was just too many blows to the head that the ref was just like, okay, it's enough. You're not going to win the fight on the scorecards. I might as well call it here. You don't have to suffer as much brain damage type thing, you know? <laughs> um, and in December, he lost to Charles Oliveira by decision as well. And he could have easily got finished there twice. Oliveira had an arm bar that hyper-extended Tony's elbow fully um, and a triangle as well. So um, it's not like he's – he's. it's hard to say that he's fading, Um right now but we'll find out after this fight because Gaethje and Oliveira obviously Oliveira's fighting for the belt um and Gaethje's ranked number second in the world so it's not like he's losing to chumps you know like yeah he's he's losing to high level motherfuckers so um yeah. and yeah so we're talking about Oliveira there's Oliveira and Chandler are fighting for the in the main event for the vacant lightweight belt after um Habib's retirement um uh what's your thoughts on that and picks there yeah so Again, it's a 50-50 fight. Like I can't, I can't um, really pick a winner. So Chandler, because he's got the wrestling base, and um, I think he uses his striking, and he's very in and out. But mm-hmm. I think it's also sort of um, 
he's in and out, but he's also threatening the takedown. But I don't think Oliveira doesn't really. He, I don't think he gives a shit about being taken down. In fact, yeah. I think he'd like it because Oliveira is submission wizard as we saw against Tony. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if Chandler he comes out and he starts his Oliveira with um, you know a quick, um, quick straight right or quick straight left. I think that's probably the most likely way that he wins. Yeah. And Oliveira is by um, pushing him back and um, pressuring him either with the striking or getting um, or dominating him then on the ground. Yeah. So I think um, I think I'm leaning towards Oliveira on on this one. Um, yeah, because I think Chandler he's got he's got a way to he's got a way to win, which is to come forward and pressure and land a heavy shot. I think Oliveira's got the more versatile skill set. Yeah, uh, I think uh, Oliveira's got um, the better submission game. Um, though I feel like Chandler's, uh, his grappling, obviously wrestling base, I think wrestling, someone with a wrestling base is like the people who kind of give these jiu-jitsu guys some trouble. Because um, the jiu-jitsu guys trying to finesse their way out of it, um, whereas the wrestlers kind of just stay heavy on the top. Um, and... Uh, also, I, I, I'm leaning towards Chandler on this one because, uh, of the, first of all, Chandler's got the power advantage. And I think because of his wrestling base, his takedown defense is going to hold up as well. So he, I don't think he's going to be too worried on him getting taken down. I feel like if Charles gets to his legs, he's going to be able to defend it. Um, Charlie Olives, that is, uh, but, um, Chucky Olives, yeah. yeah, yeah, but these, both these guys like to pressure, which is going to be interesting. So because Oliveira loves to pressure and he throws, he's uh, very, he's very long. He's got the reach advantage here. I think three, four inch reach advantage um, on Chandler, but he's very long. He throws long shots, jabs, uh, crosses, even his uppercuts are long. He throws these like weird jumping, like switch teeps to the body, um, these long techniques. Um, and he likes to press forward because as you said, he's got such a good submission games. He locks people up in guillotines and, um, and anacondas. Um, and, he's not afraid of someone shooting, shooting in on him. Cause he feels like he could just get a hold of the neck and Chandler's the same. Like I said, with he, he, lo- he loves to pressure forward. He'll throw jabs to the body in the head. He'll mix it up. Um, he's gotten better at switching stances too, and knocking people off the left hand, like he did with Dan Hooker and Ben Henderson in his last two fights. So he's, he's got quick in and out movement, um, which I feel would be his benefit. So it'd be interesting to see who's kind of pressing forward and who's not. But I think um, taller guys hopefully tend both, to... Hopefully both come and meet in the middle. First <laughs> yeah. minute of the first round, just fucking whack each other. Yeah. That would be, be ideal, yeah. But like, uh, I think taller guys tend to get um, pressed up against the, the cage easier. Um, so in that case, Oliveira, he's got the height advantage there a couple inches as well. So I feel like um, Chandler can just put pressure on him. And also, we haven't seen Oliveira go five rounds. So I don't know. We haven't seen if his cardio will hold up. Even though like he looked good against Tony in the three rounds that he was there, he looked fresh. But um, he didn't really suffer too much adversity in that fight. It was kind of him controlling the whole way. He was on top, doing what he does best with the jiu-jitsu, the grappling. Which, um, you know, grappling cardio is different than striking cardio as well, you know? Like... If you're, if you're used to grappling a lot, your cardio is going to be a lot better there. But if you're not used to striking too much, it's not going to hold yeah. up as much. So it'll be interesting because like, Chandler's, Chandler's going to land and he's got power. So it'll be interesting to see how Oliveira holds up there. Um, and obviously, like, all these guys are fighters. like They're very brave to get in there. But 
uh, I've seen a couple of Oliveira fights where like he gets knocked down or like he faces a bit of adversity and he'll just curl up and like want it to end almost it, as it seems that way. Like I think one time he had a bit of a problem with his arm against Max Holloway. And instead of just continuing to fight, like a lot of people do, he kind of just like laid down and curled up in a ball and was like, mm-hmm. just stop the fight for me. So it'd be interesting to see like, cause he's going to face a bit of adversity for sure in this fight, how he handles that. So I think that's why I picked Chandler um, because of the power, the cardio and just the, just the top pressure that he'll have if he gets the takedown. And yeah, I was watching Chandler's. Yeah, yeah, I was watching Chandler's highlights. I was just tired watching him. Just the yeah. fucking pace he keeps. Yeah, crazy. It's mental, yeah. Like Habib Gaethje, how Habib um, was constantly pressuring Gaethje. Yeah. Uh, that was similar to what Chandler did to Hooker. Hooker was trying to play, I'm going to touch, 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 whereas Chandler was just going through. Yeah. And he does kind of the opposite approach of most people. Like most people want to. Um, Get the get the opponent to circle to the power hand. So as an orthodox fighter, you want some you want them going to your right, so you can hit them with the right hand as you're coming this way. But he kind of does the opposite thing where he he goes to the he goes to his um weaker side. As you saw in the hooker fight, he he was hooker was circling left, and Chandler threw it straight to the body a couple times and didn't follow anything. And then I think the third or fourth time he did the same thing. And then as hooker was going this way, he caught him with the left mm-hmm. as he was going into it. So and that knocked him out cold um so yeah the, the his power is different um and also i kind of want uh chandler to win because as a mcgregor fan hoping he beats poirier in july i feel like Oliveira is a mm-hmm. tough matchup in the grappling um because of the submissions um and i think chandler uh is similar style to eddie alvarez who connor dispatched so hope uh mm-hmm. i think chandler will get I think it's a 50-50 fight, but I'd, if I had to pick one, I'd lean towards Chandler, for sure. Yeah. And also, um, talking about Poirier versus McGregor, I think if I was to put McGregor versus any of... If I was to put McGregor versus Oliveira or McGregor versus Chandler, I think I'd be saying that would be a com- very competitive fight and actually leaning in McGregor's favour. Yeah. And the same with Poirier, definitely, as well. Yeah, so I think it's sort of... It, yeah, lightweights, lightweights in a weird place at the moment, because... Yeah. And then Khabib versus any of them, and he smashes all of them. So I mean, it's sort of, yeah, lightweights yeah. in a lightweights in a really weird place at the moment. Yeah. Dustin, Dustin getting the money fight, and good yeah. on him. And then yeah, yeah we'll just it's gonna be in, be interesting to see how it develops. Yeah, lightweight's the best division for sure. Super competitive. Like all the top fifteen yeah. are amazing. Like Darius is ninth rank right now, and Tony's fifth, and Connor's sixth. So that just says like how good that is. Um, and the winner of um this title fight. Their first title defense, 100%, is going to be against the winner of Conor or Dustin. Mm-hmm. Conor's such a big name. He just needs that one win. And especially Dustin being number one ranked contender right now, he's going to get the title shot. And Dustin's already number one. If he beats Conor again, it doesn't matter how he does it, he's going to end up getting that title shot, which is deserving for probably both of them. Um, and Poirier actually had the chance to fight Oliveira instead of Chandler in this one, but he chose the McGregor fight. He said that, um, obviously, McGregor's the money fight. Red Panty Night, as he calls it. Um, and like if you've seen today, he was number one on the Forbes highest paid athletes this year in the whole world, which is amazing considering people like LeBron, um, Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi, Federer, things like that. Um, there's yeah. actually a little clip from 2016 where Ronaldo and McGregor would meet, had met each other. And um, McGregor had asked Ronaldo, um, have you got a jet yet? And Ronaldo was like, yeah. And then McGregor's like, oh, I'd like a jet of myself one day. Um, and then... Uh, Ronaldo, and then he goes like, "Oh, Ronaldo, are you number one on Forbes?" And he goes, "Yeah, yeah." 
And Connor goes, oh, I'm somewhere like 35, 38 or something, but I'll catch you one time. I'll catch you one day. And it's like amazing that he's first now and by a long way as well with his whiskey money as well. So Yeah. Um, yeah, the winners of this title fight and the, that fight with Connor are definitely going to fight each other. Um, and then that's actually added incentive for this fight as well. Like if the belt isn't enough, you're going to get Connor next and you're going to make more money than you've made in your whole life, you know, in one fight. So mm-hmm. um, big stakes for the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were supposed to get Leon versus uh, Leon Edwards versus uh, the weed King, Nate Diaz, but it got moved from this card to uh, June, um, which isn't too bad, I guess. Undisclosed injury for Nate. Um, I think something through the back, but uh, they haven't said exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, bro, uh, I almost forgot to ask you, but um, I hear you've got some interesting uh, stories about <laughs> weed yourself. Yeah, so well, I've got I've got a story. Yeah. Um. So I don't. I'm not a massive pothead. Um. Yeah. I do smoke. I do smoke weed occasionally, mostly with other people. Yeah. And um, there was the first time I ever smoked. I smoked a full joint, which was with it was with the cool kids from the state school that I went to after I went to Repton. Yeah. And um. I heard them talking about um, how they needed money for a draw or something, how this person had pulled out of it. And I said, I piped up and, I piped up and said, yeah, I've got 20 quid. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I said, yeah, sick, sick. Um, yeah, let's meet up and go and get that. So we all met up and they went and got the weed. And then we went to this park, recreation ground. And uh, yeah, I had a full joint. And I felt I was there and I was sat on, sat on the grass of this park and, um, it felt like the world had shrunk down, like there was like the so the horizon had shrunk. So um, yeah, it was a weird feeling. It was sort of like like the world got smaller, and so sort of the horizon horizon was yeah. dipping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like if you know the reference, it's like in the British Gas adverts where everyone's got their own home on on little planets. That's yeah, what yeah, it was yeah. like. Um, but yeah, so I um, wasn't feeling that great. So I mm-hmm. said, right, I've got a head on. And home was about a mile and a half away. So yeah. I got on my bike, started heading home, swerving all over the place. <laughs> and um, on the way back, um, there was a little corner shop and it was on the other side of this green, friendly green. Yeah. Just a tiny little green, like two acres in size. And there was a couple of paths that went across it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like a couple of little paths. So I went across yeah. the corner shop, um, just got a packet of chewits. The store clerk looked at me and he could clearly see that I was high. <laughs> he was looking yeah. at me like are you all right and um yeah so i got the chewits and i went out and i went to cut back across this little green and i just couldn't find my way out just these little paths i was just stuck on this little green going round and round in circles just couldn't figure it out there was a bunch of kids my age sat on a bench looking at me and fucking laughing and yeah i was just stuck there i can't remember how many times i went around but it must have been a good couple yeah. Anyway, I finally found my way out and uh, got on the road home. I managed to, yeah, I managed to get home without uh, riding my bike into traffic. So, always <laughs> well that ends well. Yeah. Wait, what happened when you got home? Um, I think I ate a bunch of um, biscuits and then passed out. <laughs> that <laughs> you do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You said it like it gave you some weird sense, and you weren't, it, you had loss of control, I guess, of yourself. Um, mm. yeah, what did just your, I know you've done it a couple of times, but like just your general thoughts on it, um, and how 
if you would advise it or not. Legalize it, man. <laughs> go fucking yeah, yeah. go uh, um yeah. I mean, there's no reason it shouldn't be legal. Yeah. Uh, if alcohol is legal, we should be legal, and all you're doing by criminalizing it is turning it into a black market business. So uh-huh. yeah, fucking free the weed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my, my thoughts on it just um, I feel like at our age, uh, it's kind of unnecessary, um, and like to do it regularly. I mean, and I feel like you should kind of just do it when you're kind of matured, and I guess you your brain's matured as well, but. I feel like uh, people in in like high school and like um, from like 13 to 18, they're kind of, they kind of just get into it because they think it's cool. They see other people doing it. Like you said, the cool kids at your state school. Um, and I think you probably felt like, oh, I, 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 it's it's chance for me to try and fit in, right? Yeah. With me, like just putting it out there that I've got 20 pounds on me and I can, I can help them out. Um, so I think like a lot of people do it based on just acting cool. Well, there's nothing like too cool about it to be honest it's just like another another thing mm-hmm. um and i think like once you're matured a bit you can understand like what you really want and i think at that point if, if you feel like it's necessary you kind of do it um and obviously in control like as you get older you're able to control a bit more rather than when you're a bit younger you're you kind of just go ballistic off the off the bat you know um yeah. and just like uh i don't think i've told you this before but like when I when I came up in my um, in my public school in our state school here um, up to year eight before I'd come to England, um, I had a lot of friends from there. And then when I'd gone to England, they got into like high school and thing. They started getting into like drugs and weed a bit, right? And like all I all I know about them now is like if you ask me, it's like if you ask me like what they do, and I'd be like, oh, they smoke weed, and I don't really know anything else on them, even though. Um, they'll like maybe these do these Instagram lives or something where they're just smoking and like trying to put it out there. Like you smoke, like, yeah, we get it. You, you smoke weed, like congrats, you know, like mm-hmm. what do you want for it? Like you want a prize for it? Like you keep on um, putting it on your live and things. And it's like, it's like nobody really knows what you do apart from that. So I just know you as the person who smokes weed. Like, I don't think that should be it. Like if you're trying to, if you work something towards your life in your life, um, I don't think I should know you as just like, oh, it's the guy who smokes weed and this is another guy who smokes weed and this is another guy. Like, you've not got a sense of purpose. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, I get it, if it's a thing that you do, like, you do it, but it's not like, I don't think you should do it at that t- type of age and that's all you're thinking about. Like, oh, my whole life revolves around this. Um, obviously, there's benefits to it um, and there's side effects, like, throughout everything. But if you use it for the actual benefits, I think it's good. But apart from that, uh, I don't really, I don't really yeah. get it, to be honest, but... Yeah, I think it's about when you're when you're of an age where you can make decisions for yourself, it shouldn't be a problem. So if you when yeah. you're a responsible adult, you should be able to use it. But yeah, it's not. It should be something that yeah, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't become your personality. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like the only thing people would be like putting out there on social media is I'm smoking weed. Yeah. It's like I I want to know like what you're doing with in your life, like what you're trying to build to rather than just like and then they'll like start like you know sometimes like flexing cash on 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 instagram it's like your dirty money it's like uh, <laughs> like it, it is, i don't really care you know but um i kind of know want to know what you're doing in life to try and improve yourself but this is what it is i guess but yeah um yeah yeah anything before we just finish anything else you want to talk about or uh there was one other story 
about the first time I ever smoked a cigarette, if you wanted to hear that. Okay, okay. First time, first time at Repton. So this is another Repton story. Uh, I think back. I remember this, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there was a chimney uh, the, known as a school, the Latham chimney, he was. And um, it was when I was leaving and it was my final day and I thought, um, I went up to him and I said, can I have a cigarette with you? He said, yeah, I'll come and get you. I'll come and get you and uh, we'll go and have a cigarette together. So at two o'clock in the morning, he comes into my room and gets me. And we go um, down to his room and um, he was in the sixth form. And so his room was on the ground floor. And he said, right, here's a cigarette. We're going to smoke it out of the window because obviously you can't set off smoke alarms and shit. So we got up on the windowsill and the window's only open from the top. Uh-huh. So, so you couldn't just stand there and smoke it. You had to literally get on top of the windowsill and fucking hang on to it. Mm-hmm. and stand on there and yeah so i was smoking it out and all the time he was saying don't drop it because merlin used to do the rounds in the morning to look for a cigarette butts under the windows so if you yeah, found yeah. any under your windows he knew you were smoking yeah. so yeah, i fucking stood there i was i was shaking from the cigarette so i was really trying hard not to drop it and i was like yeah my legs were shaking from standing yeah. on the windowsill so yeah after I finished just got down went up to bed fucking walked up the stairs sleep deprived and still shaking from the cigarettes so sort of wobbled up the stairs just went to bed and then left school the next day so yeah that's the first time i ever saw a cigarette when you look back at it now do you regret it or it's just like uh whatever no it's just a it's just a fun memory yeah i don't smoke so yeah yeah that's good that's good uh yeah i think i know you're referring to but it's private (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. it's confidential Um, yeah exactly all right, we're good. Uh, top stuff, bro. Thanks for joining us. Um, this is great. All right. Great. Cheers. Thank you very much. No worries, bro. All right, people. Uh, rate, review, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and we'll uh, see you again next week. Cheers. Bye-bye. <laughs>